Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 63 of the No Look Past podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who continues to trust the process. And my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? I'd just like to shout out a quick RIP to my 2017 fantasy basketball team, whose name is too vulgar to mention. I lost Kevin Durant, and <laughs> I'm signing off. Yeah, so we definitely want to uh, wish Andy's fantasy team well. I'm, I'm very curious what the name of this team is. I'm going to have to find out after the show. Uh, my, my team's name is Noel's because I have New Orleans Noel, and that's, that's just how I roll. And also, we want to wish Joel Embiid uh, well wishes soon. Obviously, we, we still trust the process. And uh, Real quick, Andy, do you think he's still Rookie of the Year? But We were going to discuss that, but I just want to ask you really quick. I, I don't. I don't think he should be rookie of the year. I just think because of the amount, and there's nothing against Embiid. I, I love watching him. I hate that he's injured, but I, I think there's a couple other guys, uh, Brogdon, um, Dario Saric. I, I think these are guys who are very deserving as well. Uh, Jamal Murray. So there's some names out there. I think that could easily take the spot, and nobody would be too upset because these guys have put together fantastic seasons. Yeah, I want to agree with you, except I think that Embiid's going to give us like five more solid gold tweets, and I think that's going to be enough to just put him over the top. So uh, keep, keep tweeting, Joel. That, that's going to be your MVP camp, or your uh, Rookie of the Year campaign. So we're going to get into our show. While you were watching TNT, we were watching the newly formed uh, super team. It's, it's not really a super team. I'm lying to you. Uh, of the New Orleans Pelicans with DeMarcus Cousins just getting traded there. And then also we're obviously going to have to talk about the Kevin Durant injury, You know what it means for the West, what it means for the Warriors all of that. We're going to break down everything about it. But first, uh, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the New Orleans Pelicans. The Boogie and Brow era, not off to a good start, uh, considering it does not have a win yet. And DeMarcus Cousins is suspended already for the next game, even though I think it was somewhat undeserved, but we'll get into that as well. Uh, losses versus Houston at Dallas and at OKC. Three, you know, semi, semi-good teams, especially Dallas seems to be, you know, turning the corner a little bit in, in terms of uh, – you know, how respectable they are in the league. Andy, how many Pelicans games did you watch, and what were your first impressions of them? Uh, I caught a little bit of all three of the games that we had this week, just because I was so intrigued. Um, My biggest impression now is the same thing that I was saying going into that. In, you know, the next day knee-jerk reaction, there's no shooting. Like, this team – right. And it was already the problem, I think, anyways, around Anthony Davis. Is there's, no, there's no shooters. If you look at the team, who's going to shoot the basketball? Because if you're not shooting the basketball well, it's just Boogie and Brow going to work repeatedly. And, I mean, and this is what we saw for three games. Um, a couple quick things I jotted down here. And I was, I was watching this, this percentage, especially from three. Six for 31, that's 19% against the Rockets from deep. Five of 24, that's 20% against the Mavs. And then against the Thunder, they were better. Eight of 21, uh, 38%. But by no means is this the type of team, I think, that you would want designed around two players like Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. That being said, I'm still very intrigued. They do have the extra year of Boogie to make something work. They need the shooters. If they they man this team with some guys who can knock down the jump shot – I think it starts with Drew Holiday because I, I know a lot of people were on Twitter in full force saying that this core is a good core, but I don't necessarily like Drew Holiday with those two because he can't shoot a jump shot. Um, yeah, Solomon Hill, 
hard, plays hard. I like him off the bench. He's not a, a great jump shooter. And that's that's what they're going to need. But it was entertaining, even when they were losing, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think the one thing about it was that it was it was definitely entertaining, if nothing else. I mean, I remember the OKC game specifically where I think the Brow had 24 points in the first quarter, and then DeMarcus Cousins seemed to, like, one-up him because, you know, he had 19 in the second quarter. After he got the Cousins got into foul trouble, like, within one minute of the game, he had two fouls. Um, and that's the game he got suspended 34 seconds into it with the whole thing with Steven Adams, who is the biggest instigator in the league that nobody talks about. And so, you know, they were taking turns, and it was just incredibly entertaining. But like you said, it's, it's all about the shooting, which is why, for me, the first thing I noticed is how unfortunate it was that the quote-unquote throw-in to this uh, Pelicans trade, Om- Omri Caspi, who is a great shooter. I mean, he does maybe not, nothing else quite as well. But he could definitely shoot, and I think he would have been very useful on this team and would have gotten a lot of minutes to really show what he could do. He's a good rebounder as well. Uh, it's so unfortunate that he went down on the first game and then they had to release him because, like you're saying, they have no depth, they have no shooting, so they really had to make the choice to basically get rid of him so they can get a, a able body that can breathe and, and play minutes in the NBA to replace him. But I really thought he was he was going to help this team and be a useful component to this to this team, and I thought he was much more than just a throw-in. And it's just unfortunate that he went down. And like you're saying, it really exposes the, the lack of depth on this team, for one, because it, right now, obviously, with making the Cousins trade, the team doesn't make sense because they have, like you're saying, no shooters. Again, we can't emphasize that enough. And you have Omir Sheik and uh, Alexis Ajinsha, who make no sense on this team. They, they basically have no role and no purpose. And they need to be off the team, even though I'm not sure how much Asik uh, has left on his contract. I think he might have a couple of years left, and I don't know how you're going to get rid of him. But obviously, they need to get rid of these big guys that they have. These like they have four seven putters on their team. What's the point of that? And get some shooting in. Yeah, and everybody who was announcing that we'd see some upset in the first round when the Pelicans take out the Warriors, um, you crazy. guys are crazy. First of all, <laughs> I mean, the Pelicans, I don't think will make the playoffs. Um, and the other can of worms is, will the Warriors even be the one seed at this point? But I think the one thing you look at is, if you're looking at the Pelicans now, is like they're under the microscope. This is where we find out how good of an organization they have in, in the Big Easy. And I say that because it's not often that you get two big-time star players in the prime of their career and two guys who seem, you know, I, I do think the, the one underlining thing of this, this team play is they do seem to play pretty well together for guys who don't play together uh, until now. So right. I, I do think that this is the time where we're going to look at the Pelicans and we're going to see if they're a responsible franchise. Can they make, the, you know, they have that next season. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you see these big stars get traded on the end of their deal and a team takes a shot at them and then they don't ultimately resign. They have Cousins all next season. And it, it's time to see if they can put up or shut up. They have to build the correct team around them. And, of course, we don't expect that to happen right away. They made a deadline move. Of course, the roster doesn't make sense. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not upsetting the Warriors, even if they do make the playoffs. But I, I do, I'm intrigued. I, like, I, I really want to see if, if the Pelicans can pull this off from a GM standpoint, from their front office standpoint, and, and make the right moves. And I'd love to see Brow and Boogie with, like, a five seed next year. That would be awesome. It would definitely be awesome. I, get, I have a question for you. Like, what, you know, without knowing the free agent pool, like, give me a player that you think, like, fit 
in, in this scheme because, you know, obviously the one thing you have to know about this team so far about watching them is Etwan Moore missed a game for personal reasons. And you actually thought to yourself, and this is the state of the team, wow, this team misses Etwan Moore on the court because, like, they could really use his facing of the floor. And you, your team should never miss Etwan Moore. As, as, as good as I think he might be, you know, he's like a, he's an okay player. I think he's probably a little underrated. I don't think people know enough about his game. Uh, you should never miss Etwan Moore. That should never be a sentence that comes out of your mouth. Uh, so, obviously, this team needs more. And I know you said you don't like Drew Holiday on this team necessarily with the fit. You could definitely tell in the first game Drew Holiday actually said it in the post-game press conference that he was trying to get them both involved too hard, and he was basically went against his game. I think he had eight turnovers in that game. You know, obviously something that you would expect to happen as a point guard that probably is not as traditional of a point guard as you would think, trying to be that because he knows he has these two big guys that he's trying to get the ball to. Um, I actually think that he could be a potential fit, though, like you're saying. I mean, he, he probably is an, an under-average or below-average shooter, so that is a problem. But give me a guy that you think would fit, whether it's a wing, whether it's a point guard. What do you think? Uh, you know, the couple of guys that pop into my head immediately when, when you're asking this question, and it's nothing. They don't need anything extravagant, I think, here. Um, I think that the higher end of what I'm about to say is a guy like a Avery Bradley, I think fits perfectly, he plays defense, knocks down the shot. He has the confidence to shoot the shots. And he's kind of, you know, he's one of those guys that would be so rattled by DeMarcus Cousins because, he, let's face it, Boogie's got to be a nightmare to play with sometimes. And I think a guy like Avery Bradley is a consummate pro. Another guy I was thinking of was like a Danny Green type, just a guy to play D, space the floor. You've got to keep him honest with the shot, and you know these guys are professionals. And these are the ki- the kinds of players – I think not only the guys who can shoot the ball, but the guys who can have a locker room presence and hold their own on the court with these, you know, these big personalities like Boogie. And, you know, there, there are some guys out there. I don't know whether they'll be able to get some of these guys in free agency, but it, it's really going to be interesting to see. I, I, I like the, the combination. We don't get a center power forward combo like this very often. I mean, you're talking arguably the, the best players at their respective positions. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, because when you think about it, most teams try to kind of build, you know, they get a, a guard and then they get a forward. You know, that's that's sort of, the, you know, Kobe and Shaq, you know, et cetera. There's so many, there's so many examples. Like, really, since Tim Duncan and and uh, David Robinson, we haven't really seen a, a four or five combo, inten- you know, intentionally being sort of the selling point of your team as a success. You know, Stockton and Malone, that's another one that you can think of. So it is, it is an interesting move by, by the Pelicans, you would think. I think part of it is just they thought about something that, you know, the price of this guy, of DeMarcus Cousins, obviously was, was depressed for whatever reason, whether it's his personality issues. I'm sure that was a part of it. Whether it's the fact that he's not under contract for a long time, I'm sure that was another part of it. Um, and they decided the price was too good for them to not at least pull the trigger and give this a shot. I think it's a worthwhile risk. I don't know if it's going to work. Um, but but it, it's definitely interesting. And so the other thing – I noticed about this team, obviously with the lack of depth is this team was so desperate that they actually had a 10 day contract player starting for their team in Hollis Thompson, who, who actually is a shooter. I'll give him that, not, you know, uh, not, not a great one, you know, not, not one that you want, really want in your rotation, but you know, it just shows you that really the lack of desperation for this team. And the reason why, like you're saying, the people that said they were going to make the playoffs are just, it's just not how it works in, in any NBA team. Like, you, we always bring the example of the Miami Heat, right? When Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James joined forces, people were like, this team's going to go 81-1. and 
They're never going to lose a game. This is the super team. It's over. Forget it. And what they do? You know, first 20 games, they were 10 and 10. Eventually, they, they turned the ship around because it takes a while for great players to play together, and they were able to right the ship. But to think that DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis were all of a sudden just going to be, you know, gain four games in the Western Conference was always an unrealistic endeavor. Yeah, and as far as the Pelicans making the move, I mean, A++ on the move by the Pelicans because anytime you can swing at a, a player of uh, Cousins' caliber, head case or not, and especially when you have a player like Anthony Davis already, and we, we've, you know, and by we I mean people who speak basketball we, for years, whenever you have a chance to swing at a superstar player, I think this was brought up a lot when the Knicks traded for Carmelo because they traded – like 92 guys and everybody, you know, that knows said, well, this is the, you know, the cost of doing business for a superstar caliber player or a star caliber player. Sometimes you have to give up a lot, but you have to take the shot. I mean, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So to get a player like cousins, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think for the Kings, you know, did they get fleeced a little bit? Sure. But we see this happen all the time. The Bulls got fleeced by the thunder at the deadline as well. I, I just think, yeah. Some of the relief for the Kings actually comes, their compensation comes in not having Cousins anymore. And people do have to understand right. that. I mean, you've seen it play out on television. We've all watched it as fans, and we're a little sick of it. I love Cousins. I'm a little sick of it, though. So imagine being the Kings. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot going on there that we don't even know about. So, you know, hit the refresh button, and, and here we are. And I, I just, I'm trying to think of a time – where, because arguably, I think there's people who would argue that Cousins is the best center in the league and Davis is the best power forward in the league. I'm not saying it's a fact. Yeah. I'm saying there are people who would argue those points. When is the last time the best two big men at their two respective positions have been on the same team? Has that ever, has that ever happened? I mean, I, I would think maybe in their prime, you know, but like I said, Duncan and Robinson, I don't know. I don't know if Robinson really was considered the best center in the league at that at that point when Duncan became the best power forward in the league. I don't know yeah. if they ever sort of were, you know, crossed those paths at the Well, same there was time. a lot of good centers then. Right. Right. So, you know, obviously yeah. Robinson was a little, you know, was a little pat, you know, past his prime at the point where they got Duncan and then, you know, as Duncan obviously it took him a few years to become the best power forward in the league and some even argue that he never was because everybody always argued KD was better than him. But again, it brings a point to your conversation. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that if that's ever happened. So it's a very interesting combo. Again, and and like you're saying, when it comes to the trade, it, it's a saying in the NBA. I'm not the person that make it that that has made it up, but I I think it rings true. Four quarters does not equal a dollar in the NBA. You always would rather have the dollar. You don't want four quarters, even though quote unquote it's the same value. You always want the dollar because that is the guy that's going to win you. You don't win a championship with four quarters. You win a championship with a dollar. Um, as far as the Marcus Cousins and the Kings, I mean, I think they just, you know, they just listen Cannot to play with them. The Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. And, and it's going to be up to him to prove otherwise. And I, think, I think at this point it really is in Boogie's court. You know, this is his second chance. Everybody said, oh, you know, he had, you know, seven coaches and two owners and three GMs and, you know, 17 point guards and all this. So it's not all of his fault, blah, 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 and which might be true, but at now it's like, okay, so we're done with that. And now this is your chance to prove, to prove us wrong, to prove otherwise. And we'll see if you can do it. Yeah. And you know, I, I agree with that a hundred percent of the way. And not only is it that, but it's, it's now like almost like DeMarcus is a guest in a new home. He's in a new city. 
Uh, he's in a city that's Anthony Davis's city as far as basketball is concerned. I mean, I, Anthony Davis yeah. is the biggest star in that city as far as sports are concerned. I mean, as far as, you know, I can tell. So that that's a different kind of animal. In Sacramento, he didn't have that. Boogie was the guy. I mean, it's Sacramento. It's, it's a little bit of a, a different machine. I think down here in New Orleans. And I think that, you know, the fans are going to hold him accountable because it's going to kind of be some of those things like when LeBron went to the Heat and in Miami fans, they liked LeBron. They loved having him there. But a lot of them were still like, nah, this is Wade's team. Wade's our guy. This is Wade's city. And I think, you know, Cousins is going to have to do a better job. I know he's already caught the suspension. You said something about it earlier. I think it was kind of a little corny myself. But. Um, you know, he's he's in that position. He's going to be in that position for the rest of the season or when they're out there upsetting the Warriors in round one. It, the, the suspensions things are still going to be looming because it, all it takes is one tech. And we know in the NBA right. it doesn't take a lot to get a tech these days. So, it, yeah, it is. Boogie's got a lot of responsibility now, and I'm I'm interested. I can't say that enough that I'm interested. Yeah, the tech definitely should have been rescinded. It, it was a bad tech at the time, and it was I, I couldn't believe that they actually upheld it, you know, after reviewing it. But, Anyways, Boogie would have been the biggest story, basically of the you know of the entire week with the trade deadline and everything else in the post. But obviously we had the Embiid news. But more importantly, we had Kevin Durant go down, and the Warriors fans gasp for air on March first, three one. You could say it's a coincidence. Some people think it's a conspiracy. The three one, a curse of the Warriors continues. Uh, what did you think, or what do you think about the about the injury? Um, we have a project, you know, originally they thought maybe he's out for the rest of the season. Now it's more lenient. They're saying four to six weeks, you know, a sprained MC, grade two MCL sprain. So what do you think this means for the Warriors? What are you expecting of them in the next four weeks? I mean, I'm expecting them to still continue to win games. I'm, oh, I've been on Twitter a lot today. And I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, Twitter's not a doctor's office, but there's a lot of people on my Twitter feed, it's all basketball people, okay? It's all people who have been around the sport for years, who cover the sport, who watch the sport, things of that nature. And most of those people are saying this type of injury takes six to eight weeks. So I think the four-week stuff, I think that's that's the best case. I, you know, and I think that they would be wise to, to take it very easy. Obviously, this team's in the playoffs. Their schedule isn't terrible, um, you know, at least – Coming up, I mean, they're going to play the Bulls, the Knicks, the Hawks, the, the Timberwolves in there, the Sixers, the Magic, the Bucks, the Mavs. The Mavs are turning it around a little bit. The Kings. I mean, they're not playing the most loaded schedule over the next few weeks here. I do, however, believe we're going to really see some meltdowns out of Golden State. We're going to see some of those games where Curry goes 0 for 10 from 3 maybe, and – it's going to be a problem because they don't have this depth. You know, I mean, I'm not going to beat this horse to death because anybody who's been paying attention to basketball knows that the Warriors have no depth. They, you know, traded their depth to land KD. And now it's, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some bumps in the road, but I still think, you know, the core of this team being Clay and Draymond and Steph Curry, and they're going to get it done. Um, The problem I see here is, I mean, San Antonio is only four games out and the Rockets are eight and a half games out. Now, talking about their schedule, I do think that there's a really good possibility San Antonio can take them over, uh, being just four games out. I think it's a little harder for the Rockets. I do. I think four games, San Antonio's 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're playing pretty good basketball. 
the Rockets are seven and three in their last ten. They're playing good basketball. I really do. I think there's a really great opportunity for San Antonio to seal that one seed. So the one thing I think that you brought up a good point is the you know the timetable. You know, people say four weeks. You know, NBA teams are, are kings at this, and I think the you know being a Nets fan and, and going through the whole Jeremy Lin hamstring injury. You know, teams do this all the time. They say, we're going to evaluate him in four weeks. And people take that to mean, like, oh, KD's going to be back in four weeks. No, basically in four weeks they're going to give you – they're going to do, like, more prognosis and then give you an update on his condition. So basically in four weeks, like Andy's saying, they're going to tell you, okay, he's out two to four more weeks. So I, I do think that, like you're saying, the – you know, more of the – I would think it's more of the six-week range. That's what I'm oh, – that's what I'm thinking personally. Um, you know, KD sort of – has shown himself to be, you know, a, a quick healer from, from injuries, and he doesn't get injured that often. Obviously, he had a broken foot, um, you know, back a couple of seasons ago, but that was a huge injury. Otherwise, he has not really had any major injuries, you know, that have kept him out for a long period of time. Um, so, obviously, that's good news. I think the other thing is the, the real variable here is how quickly – you know, because you know they had to work KD into this whole this whole thing, right? You got another superstar, you had to work him in, but now he's out, and it's sort of like back to the old Warriors teams from before, like pre KD. So like, is it you know just like riding a bike? Do they go back and run old sets now that they used to just run for Steph and Clay, or is it like just another version of this offense that involves Kevin Durant? I don't quite know how that's going to work. Well, I know one of the big problems is going to be there's no Harrison Barnes, and I think a lot of us who criticize Harrison Barnes, and I'm raising my hand because I was kind of one of those people, have found out that Harrison Barnes is a pretty good basketball player. Um, I, I think what it was last year is towards the end of the season he didn't shoot particularly well, and that's probably because Harrison Barnes isn't really a jump shooter. I mean, he's kind of more of a guy who thrives in space, taking the ball off the dribble. But he was fit into that team, and that's what he did there. And I think people, fans got down on him late last season in the playoffs because he was missing shots. But he's, he was still a, a very good basketball player who's still a guy teams had to hold accountable from deep, from anywhere. So I think losing him, and obviously we saw the big hole not having Bogut last year cause for those guys, especially against a team like LeBron, because then everybody quickly realized Draymond Green cannot check LeBron without Bogut behind him. And Iguodala even had a heck of a time. So I think, you know, when we're looking at the big picture here, it is kind of back to Golden State, but without a couple of their, you know, key pieces. And we saw what they did, you know, how they struggled without one of those pieces in the playoffs being Bogut. And and I just, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll still be fine, and I think they'll, you know, win more games than they'll lose to close out the season. But I just think with that four games, man, San Antonio's looked impressive. And, and kind of like San Antonio's one of those teams a lot of people still aren't talking about. We're still not talking about San Antonio. And they're like just Isn't it amazing? It's quite like every great. Year. It's nuts. Every every year we do the same exact thing. It's like San Antonio just goes under the radar every single year. I would, in saying that, I want to agree with you, except they only have 22 games left. So that's, you know, it, it's going to be tricky for San Antonio. San Antonio would have to go on a serious run, which I'm not saying they're incapable of, but I mean, San Antonio would probably have to go 18 and four realistically in their last 25. I would think they're 45 for, and 13. To, to over- yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think it's possible. I guess it's, I guess it's possible, you know. But you know, and that's that's saying that the Warriors are going to go what? You know, eighteen and four. So they have to go eighteen and four. That means the Warriors would have to go like twelve and twelve and ten or something like that, or or thirteen and nine probably to overtake it officially because that'd be five games. Uh, that, that's kind of. I mean, that's a bad. 
that's a bad stretch for the Warriors. I mean, even without Kevin Durant, 13 and nine is kind of wishful thinking. I think. Um, so I think they're going to go more, you know, more in the you know, 16 and six range, you know, which makes it really impossible for the Warriors to really overtake them. And so it, it's really going to be tough, just because there's not enough games left. There was half a season left then I, I might be on a, on a different bandwagon. But with less than a quarter of the season left, or just about a quarter of the season left, I should say, it, it, it's, a, it's a really hard thing to make up mathematically, I think. My bigger concern is, for me, if Kevin Durant comes back before the second round, I don't think this makes any difference in terms of the Warriors making the finals. What do you think? No, if he's, I mean, if, if Kevin Durant is back and he's playing KD basketball, and I don't think he shouldn't be, uh, you know, we talked about his – ability to be durable throughout his career. So I think recovering, you know, those two things usually go hand in hand. Usually the guys who get hurt constantly have a longer time to recover opposed to guys who don't get hurt so often. So that plays well in his favor. And I definitely think that if he's back, they're the clear favorite to, to take the Western conference. And yeah, even if he's back by the, the second round, cause they're not going to lose. They're not going to, you know, choke off in the first round. I, I wouldn't think. Um, right. To, right. Uh, They're not losing a to the subpar you know Western I mean? like, Conference eight seed. Yeah. Although yeah. a Nuggets Warriors like, series would Nuggets be Nuggets very interesting. Team. Yeah, I think the Nuggets are a good team. I think they deserve that last playoff spot. The Warriors are not losing to the Nuggets without KD. They could probably do it without KD and like Clay. You know what I mean? Just because they're that good, and they're just you know, it's just it's just a different level of competition. Um, but if you get them against the Clippers in the second round, then they're gonna you know they need. If, if it's the Clippers with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan and the whole crew, and and it's the Warriors without KD, then it's going to be more of a discussion. You know, that that could be a potential upset to me. Remember when the Clippers looked unstoppable after, like, two weeks? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it seems like a long time ago. And now, uh, it was a long time ago. I'm wondering if Chris Paul's going to be that point guard that plays with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. That, that's, that's just me. That's, just a, that's probably more hope than anything. I mean, so listen, say, he's the right guy. He's the right guy. We're is, talking, oh, my God. Back to the Drew Holiday thing. I like Drew Holiday. There's nothing against him when I say I don't think it. I just, A, Holiday doesn't shoot well. So there's that, and we, we harp on the shooting. Not that Chris Paul's a dead eye, but Chris Paul does get the job done. But Drew right. Holiday, his best – attribute is his ability to get by a defender and score the basketball and he can do it in numerous different ways and I think we kind of misuse him a little bit when we're expecting him to that's a lot of responsibility to set the plate for two guys who are so used to scoring the basketball and I feel like Chris Paul would be right at home I mean Chris Paul would be like four points a game no problem 20 assists and I mean he would he would get he would put up an obnoxious amount of assists with those two it would be crazy in no turnover we don't do turnovers yeah, that's the most insane. That might be the most insane statistic from the entire season to me, more so than uh, Russell Westbrook's triple doubles. Is that Chris Paul has had a 17 assist game and a 20 assist game this season with no turnovers? I think that's just impossible. I can't even imagine like another point guard even doing that. Um, but let's. I just want a quick question before we close. Is let's just assume everything goes well with the Warriors and you know KD comes back, they make the finals and they meet the Cavaliers. I think that's the inevitable thing. Do you think the signing of Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut? Does it does it you know tempt you to take the Cavaliers? Does it give them a better chance to you? You know what do you think? Uh, you know I I do I think that the fact that they they've done the bogey in the Darren Williams thing to me I I had 
the Warriors ahead of the Cavs. If they were going to face in the finals, I was picking the Warriors. I, I think I, it's changing my mind. I think I'd pick the Cavs now. Whoa. I, I mean, whoa! Do you see this roster? This roster to me is just it's, it's so deep. It's ridiculous, and I mean, LeBron was asking for a playmaker, and I defended that I agreed with him. They needed a playmaker. They did need another guy besides LeBron or Kyrie who could handle the ball a little bit, but I didn't think they were going to get Deron Williams. I mean, <laughs> like, what? How, how did that happen, A, and then B, they get Bogut, who's not only a good player, but, yo, but, I mean, that's that's that should be illegal. That's like spying. I mean, Andy Verjao did this last year. It didn't work out for him, but, I mean, <laughs> Bogut's going to catch some looks, man. It's going to be, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be very entertaining. I really hope, I'm really hoping for, for a repeat. I think I, you know, I, everybody was all season. I, I think is, is hoping that the Cavaliers and the Warriors meet back in the finals with KD, the added thing and, and the whole LeBron going seven straight finals. The storylines are endless. I think the Bogut thing is just like another storyline. You can just, you can just add on to that really, really, really quick. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's like this whole new brewing thing, him going against his old team, you know, is he giving plays away, is he giving secrets away, things like that. I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not going where you're going. I'm still taking the Warriors. I don't think that, that Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut is enough. But I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued by a rematch. It definitely uh, lessens the gap a lot more. So, Andy, before we go, who are we watching next week? Oh, we're watching the Warriors. Let's, let's see what's going on. Oh, I see. I see. We're gonna we're gonna go right to uh, Golden State and see what's going on without KD. So that is the end of our show. We'll be with you next week as we continue our journey across the NBA and Golden State. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash/NLPPod. That's N like Nia Jax, L like Linda McMahon, P like Patton Oswalt. But we will close as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once more is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.